When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the late 80s, the American action movie was reaching its zenith. The genre had produced several bona fide superstars and was bringing big money to the box office. Action movies were the perfect vehicle for unknown talent to prove themselves. An actor that audiences had never seen before could be the lead if he had the right moves, the right hair, and one-liners. This 80s flick that introduced us to the pre-ponytailed Steven Seagal surely fit that bill. So prepare for all the 80s action movie cliches, flashbacks to Vietnam, a tough renegade cop, political subterfuge, a revenge plot, intrusive FBI agents, CIA backstabbing, and much, much more as comedian Danny Johnson and I discuss Above the Law from 1988 on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Steven Seagal is the cop. Why is the CIA calling you at 2 o'clock in the morning? Against the enemy within. You guys think you're above the law. You ain't above mine. Steven Seagal, above the law, now on video cassette. Hello, movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by an 80s Flick-loving guest co-host to talk about one of the great and sometimes not-so-great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing first-time watch memories, discussing our favorite iconic scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to check out our website, 80sflickflashback.com as well. If you want to take your support to the next level, you can become a financial partner for less than $10 a month. The link to financially support the podcast is located in our episode show notes. And while you're there, be sure to check out more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Welcome in, everybody. So glad to have you back on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Boy, do we have a fun one today. And not just because my co-host is a bona fide comedian, uh, but please welcome to the show once again, comedian Danny Johnson with his new podcast, behind the bar how you doing danny i'm well how are you i'm doing wonderful sir so yes since the last time we did an episode together you have launched your own podcast behind the bar please 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 tell those of 
the or those of my listeners who don't know about it all about your wonderful podcast. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And and you're an inspiration for it. So uh, <laughs> you've been very helpful. So I have a dry bar comedy special for those people that don't know. It's a, it's a company based out in Utah that produces clean comedy stand-up specials. So um, I started a podcast called behind the bar where I interview uh, other dry bar comedians who've had a, also had a special or two so that the audience can get to know their favorite dry bar comedians. So we do it on uh, on Zoom, and then the video is on Spotify, my social media, YouTube, and the audio is on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and Google. And it's been so much fun, and you've been very helpful, so thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. But it's a great episode. I mean, I'm a big stand-up comedy fan, so I've really enjoyed the episode so far, like like getting behind, you know, really behind the bar, which we've said, but like you guys talking about how you're writing jokes, like you asking them, like, yeah. you know, how do they, do they sit down and spend time writing or do they just kind of think of funny, like one, you, one of the ones you had, you were talking about like funny stuff comes up in conversation. You're like, oh, I can remember that and write that down kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's a great draw for me because I love that behind the scenes, much like this podcast, all the behind the scenes stuff. So good, good stuff. So definitely check out behind the bar. Yeah. Um, most of the feedback I've gotten is, is just that people are like, wow, I didn't know. This is how comedians think. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, or yeah. Write or create. So it's mm-hmm. been fun. Yeah, they just think you. We're just you. Just naturally funny, right? You just get up there and just make stuff up on the fly, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into this uh, non-comedy that you chose because this was your choice. Oh, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. I'll tell you that. Right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you when you say the name Steven Seagal, like in in the like honestly, I have to admit. I think you brought this up when we were talking about doing an episode. You're like, you ever get to Steven Seagal, you know, I want to do one of those. And I was like, I don't think Seagal had any 80s movies. And I was shocked to find that this is his only 80s movie, Above the Law, which was his first movie, because he was such a force, especially in like the early 90s, early to yeah. mid 90s. So to say Steven Seagal back then, you were like, oh, man, that, you know, yeah. he's like the best. You know, he was, you know, he was up there. You say his name now, and it's like, oh, really? You know, Steven, Steven, Steven Seagal, I mean, there's a little bit of a, a yeah. chuckle behind that now, which we won't get too much into that as we discuss it. But but going back and watching this movie, it is pure 80s action. Everything that you want and don't want yeah. <laughs> in an action oh, yeah. movie is in this movie. So You know, it's funny. I'm glad I rewatched it today because the I think the entire time from the time we agreed to do this mm-hmm. – until this morning, I thought it was out for justice that you that we were going to talk about, <laughs> yeah. which is ninety one, right? And I right. know I know that by heart as well. But that that so I graduated. When did I graduate high school? Ninety one. I don't know. Okay. But it's in that. So in my right like sixteen, right. and I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nine. You know, the, that's the Steven Seagal era, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we loved them. They were both cheesy and good and right. action and. But that, but you know, you, when you think of like '80s action, like the last episode we did, First Blood, which we kind of talked about, is it for is it a real action movie? It wasn't what Rambo movies became after that. It was much yeah. more serious, had action sequences. But I wouldn't call First Blood a quote unquote '80s action movie. Yeah. When you say Steven Seagal, you're going to get a pure quote unquote action movie. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of what. Schwarzenegger and Van Damme were doing as the 80s progressed. Yeah. And then you get into the 90s. And then there was like you had all of them were all kind of like vying for that yeah. who can out action 
<laughs> the other one. He uh, actually, Seagal actually inspired me to take martial arts when I was that age. Really? When I was in my teens. I took Japanese jiu-jitsu. So it's oh, not wow. Brazilian. It's not the grappling, but it's... Uh, right, right. Yeah, he was huge. And uh, as as his career progressed, he becomes less and less audible. <laughs> right. Because right. I've watched some of the straight to DVD or straight to streaming right he's, right he's just like you know he's oh yeah i usually enjoy that anymore oh yeah. <laughs> it's like what are you what is he saying i'm <laughs> you gotta have the subtitles on to get any kind of dialogue right yeah but yeah. in this in above the law he's Nic- nicola right toscani mm-hmm. and uh you know he's italian in this one but he also speaks you know like four different languages yeah japanese spanish yeah uh, and italian uh, yeah the famous Italian mother, Nico, no, Nico, no. That's all she does is complain and whine. <laughs> all right, well, let's 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 jump right in. So, right. when did you see Above the Law for the very first time? Was this a theater experience? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, although I don't know, it's it, it it could have been, but it wasn't too long after that. It was probably an HBO thing. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't I know I didn't see this one in the theater. I. There are other Seagal, the, the 90s Seagal movies, they're ones that I remember seeing in the theater, uh, being very, me and my dad going to see these movies and then him being very uncomfortable during certain scenes. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. As, as the other movies got going. But this one is, uh, but yeah, I think this one was, must have been a VHS rental, probably a blockbuster. Yeah. Maybe that's kind of it. a thing. Yeah. I, when I watched it this morning, it was on, it was play free to me because it was on AMC or whatever. Yeah. 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 And it eliminates all the curses and it mm. replaces. So it's so funny. It's like, you mother fricker, <laughs> you right. fry pan, chili pan. Right. Like, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> cause they look, that's, that is a term that they loved in this movie. I will say, cause I think mm-hmm. I did the like seven day, this is what I do. I did the seven day free trial of AMC plus that I'll cancel oh. in a couple of days. And it's still like they have the breaks where the commercials would be, but they have it's not they haven't dubbed over the language or anything. So it's you know it's it's like watching the full movie without the commercials and commercial right. breaks. Right. Uh, and so that was I I I was like I was a little taken aback with how many times that double curse you know gets used in this movie. And and knowing that, and we'll talk about it, that Steven Seagal and the director and Andrew Davis were part of the screenplay you know, writers like they must have really liked that, that phrase to be used a lot. If there was a checklist for eighties action movies. I mean, look, he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, Steven Seagal is a, he's, he was recruited at 22 into the CIA as he'll tell you in the movie. Yes. He gives you a very, very detailed uh, opening monologue. Right. And the, the first, you know, you know, samurai, but uh martial arts teacher in the, in wherever he was, Korea, Japan, China, right. doesn't say. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's just a cop on the Chicago streets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that all that, all that. There's a there's a whiteboard with multiple strings that make makes all that make sense somewhere. Uh, and oh his old friend that helped him in the jungle in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie, who was seventy, it looks like in <laughs> Vietnam, and right. and then right. seventy twenty years later. <laughs> yes, well before the current Marvel de aging process that we get now, right. they can he make calls them look guys on on the phone. As much. yes, yes, you know better to use names on the phone, Paisan. Even whatever. though he call he he says his name, yes, like you know better to use you just called you just called him Nico over the phone. Yeah. Why are you breaking your own? Yes, so, so you got like, CIA cop FBI's involved. Uh, politicians, yeah, 
um, extortion, drugs, murder, mm-hmm. and then religion is involved. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, he gets to expose. He was so if his movies have this theme, some of them, a lot of them, where he's trying to make some sort of social statement. Yes. Right. So at the end yeah. of the movie, he gets to sit with the reporter and tell his side of the story now to expose. Right. And if you remember, I don't remember the name of the Seagal movie where he played, um, where he went into the the Eskimo, the, where the Eskimos are. They were drilling oil or something, and it was is that big... on on Deadly Ground? I think that's yeah, the name that, of that sounds one. right. Yeah, you know, and he's making this big statement defending the natives, you know, whatever. Um, but very socially conscious, he tried mm. to be. It was just, I mean, it... <sighs> my favorite scene in the whole movie is the one that was filmed. You and I could have shot it Um, (laughs) when he has uh, Bautista Salvano, the drug dealer, on the back Mm. of his trunk in the parking garage, hanging on for dear life. He's going in reverse and he pops out of the parking garage and the two wheels are the only thing hanging Mm. off the the parking garage. And then Salvano falls. It's obviously a dummy. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. It is. It. You and I could have filmed it and (laughs) just dropped it. It's so bad. It's good. I laughed, <laughs> and I la- then I laughed again because I was waiting the whole movie for him to use above the law, right? And the line was, above the law, yeah. He uses it twice, you know. Mm-hmm. He goes, "You may be above the law, but you're not above mine," right? And the music, <laughs> the music in this is great. It's it's so, yeah, yeah. It's very eighties. It's very eighties. It's like a mix of like Karate Kid music with Commando and terminator all blended together so yeah uh so how long it had been since you watched it before we watching it for the podcast i think i've seen it like whenever it's on whatever channel i'll stop right right but I, it's been years since i've seen it though yeah i think I, it's like when i rewatched it i was like there's parts of this movie that i feel like i just watched like yeah. two months ago and then there's parts like i have not seen this movie in 20 plus years but there's a few we'll talk about uh the director Andrew Davis, who's a Chicago guy, okay. he uses a lot of the same actors in his movies. And I just watched The Fugitive, which he directed. And there's a few cops that are in the, both of those movies. I'm like, wait a minute, I've seen yeah. these guys like two weeks ago because I was watching The Fugitive like two weeks ago. So right. I was like, oh no, that's what's all kind of blending together. But yeah, but I, it's probably been at least ten years or more since I rewatched it. And we were talking about before we started recording, they all like the early Seagal movies have all kind of blended into one. Like you talked about marked for death. I think I went back a couple of months ago. Cause I think this one wasn't, this one wasn't available to stream when I was going to go back and watch some. And I found under siege, which of course I love and yeah. then hard to kill. And yeah. for some reason I had heart thinking hard to kill was marked for death. And so I started watching. He was like, yeah, wait, oh, which one was the, the Jamaicans? Was that marked for death? I think they're in both. That's what I'm trying to say. Like I don't right. remember. Because no, I remember the guy. No, I remember the no, Jamaican guy. Yeah, Jamaicans like... is yeah, Jamaicans is marked for death. Yeah. Hard to kill is like a mafia mobster okay. family that shoots up his house. Right, because the Jamaican guy's like everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> Good old writing in the nineties. And now these messages. 
now playing on a cell phone near you. A show for all the manly men out there, where guys talk about their favorite movies and what they can teach us about being a man. Featuring the coolest guests. Murder somebody is not like killing an ant. The most gratifying laughs. It's Tombstone, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) And a fresh take on movies like you've never heard before. This will be the thing that gets written on his proverbial tombstone. We aren't here to criticize the movies you love, but to praise them for how they apply to our lives as husbands, fathers, and really all men in general. So buckle up your seatbelts, because Manly Movies is here. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast catcher. And remember, man up. (sighs) What seems to be the problem, pal? There's so much pain in the world, so many issues, I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit, Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. Let's talk a little bit about the story origin of pre-production. There's really not a whole lot. This may be one of the shortest episodes we've ever done. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but there's not, a, I, you know, this is almost one of those forgotten 80s flicks that I'm doing a series on, on social, on our social media pages. But there's not a whole lot about this movie out there. Uh, the few things that I have is it has been reported that Seagal was asked to make this film by his former pupil, agent Michael Ovitz, who believed that he can make anyone a movie star. Huh. And that sounds very Hollywood of that. Sure. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of some of those things that I have written here, I found other things that were somewhat contradictory. Okay. And I just decided to pick the ones I like the best. So I honestly don't know if anything, any of these statements are 100% true because mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot. Of, usually I try to cross reference stories yeah. to see which ones are yeah. true. Uh, but I like the story. Before the movie was greenlit, Steven Seagal had to demonstrate his martial arts skills for the studio. <laughs> he physically dominated his students, which terrified the executives because they didn't know it was all staged. Right. Once again, very Hollywood. Andrew Davis was hired to direct because Steven Seagal liked, clo- liked Code of Silence from 85, which was a Chuck Norris uh, action movie, which shares a lot of similarities with the mo- this movie. Uh, I have not seen Code of Silence uh, that I can remember. Director Andrew Davis and Steven Seagal provided the story and a screenplay was written by Steven Pressfield and Ronald Shusset. Davis contributed the screenplay as well, most likely during production. Now, this is the one that I saw the most contradictory stories because there were two other things that I saw where one was this was a script that Seagal picked out of a stack of scripts of movies that were selected for Clint Eastwood. But then I was like, but. In the film credits, it shows story by Andrew Davis and Steven Seagal. So if they already had the story, why would this, unless it's, you know, they had a similar story and a similar script to try to put the two together. So that was, that was interesting, but it was filmed in Chicago, Illinois over 60 days uh, in 1987. So that's it. Two months. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot of scene changes. I mean, there's some, there's some outdoor stuff. So that's all I've got for pre-production. There's, we don't really know how this movie really got made. We just know it got made. 
<laughs> well, you know that the um, you know whatever so whenever somebody gets credit for something, whether it's a story by or executive mm. producer, producer, um, it's really just another way to pay that person. Right. Right. So you know, like Ryan Seacrest is the executive producer of the Kardashians. You think mm. he's on set filming? No, no he <laughs> no. just wanted to find a different way to pay him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, let's talk a little bit about how how many things are bulletproof in this movie? <laughs> most eighties action movies, door jam, not door jams. What's the you know the the door frame? Yeah. If you just lean behind a door frame and they got a machine gun, 40, 50 bullets, just right, right. You're you're totally protected. Yeah, and, and car, doors. car doors. Yeah. Yeah. The glass car is doors. always gonna get shot out and never yes. cut anyone that's behind no. it. No. And they'll just, you know, that scene in the in Above the Law when he's uh, the kids are walking in front of his car, he's at a crosswalk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guys get out of an ice cream truck with the machine guns, it's like five of them, and they just Spray a hundred bullets. He slips out. No, of course. Because yeah. the car is just, you know, I don't know where the bullets are going, but they're they're hitting the car and not hitting it. And then he's just out. And he, mm-hmm. you know. And then he decides to bring them all into a convenience store where the stereotypical yeah, yeah. Indian, uh, Indian guy, guy is running or Middle right. Eastern or whatever sure, guy sure. is running it. No, 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 sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, no, no. Right. And where you know a fight's going to <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah it's got to be close contact hand-to-hand combat because that's yeah. the thing with Seagal he's it's all with his hands like his yeah. his style of fighting is very it's up close and it's he's got really quick hands which yeah you don't see it as much in this one I notice it more in the movies later which I think he had more control like I know he choreographed a lot of the fight scenes for this one mm-hmm. but he probably got better at being able to film them that make them look better. I'm sure they look great live, but for it to translate on film better. Um, right. I really, like I really remember like in uh, under siege, there's a few scenes where like you really see his hands, how fast he was yeah. with his hands, uh, which I love in this movie. I'd, I'd read something was talking about like, you know, this is one of those movies where you'll have five guys who all have weapons, but he's somehow convincing them to lay all their weapons down and fight him hand-to-hand because they really think they can take him. And I was like, yeah. that is so true. Well, this so they want him dead. Saldano, mm-hmm. the little drug dealer, wants him dead. Salvano, whatever. Right. And those guys in the convertible find him in an alley alone. Mm-hmm. And they pull a gun on him. And it could have been over right there. Exactly. Like, the guy goes, we're not going to shoot you. <laughs> My boys here are going to beat you to death. I'm like, right. come on! <laughs> And the one guy has a machete that attacks first. What do you think the machete is going to do? Of course, it's going to chop off the hand of the guy with the gun. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just it's it's so funny to me to watch that now. And he yeah, his martial art type is uh, you know using other people's body weight against mm-hmm. them, right? Almost right. never kicking above the knee. Yeah, he doesn't really kick. No, it's at not. All, a, does it's he? His, yeah. his, that's the martial art style that he trained in. So, and I've heard you know I've seen people say that he's legit martial artist. He's not a, a Oh pro. yeah. I mean some of the demonstrations are a little you know, he knows what's coming in the in the Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, people noted martial artists have said that he's legitimate. Um mm-hmm. but I just love those classic these classic kind of movies where almost anything's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Uh no one has good aim. No. And then <laughs> Every time they get you in a corner and for sure could kill you, it, there's going to be a fight because mm-hmm. 
think and Mike, no, My- yeah. like Mike Myers makes fun of that in, in some of the, uh, Austin powers. Yeah. 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 yeah what I love is, I, and this is one of those great action tropes that you see in this one where there's five guys around you, but they never come at you at the same time. There's <laughs> always one that's going to come first and then the, you know, then right. the other one. Uh, so like we all converge them in at one time. I think we could take them. No, let's not do that. Right. We're going to send the weak guy in first and save the big right. guy last. Uh, and then so. the scene in the bar where he goes to get his niece, right? She's right. Upstairs. Right. Um, he, he takes out three big guys mm-hmm. and then two more come or whatever. It takes out a guy with a gun. Like at what point in the, if you're a thug in a bar, at what point do you say to yourself, <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. Right. Like he just took out three guys that I know could beat me up. Mm-hmm. It's like, why don't I give it a shot? <laughs> why don't I use this pool cue? That happens a lot in Out for Justice. That's my favorite uh, movie of his. <laughs> yeah, that's one. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that one. Because I was not like, when I was going... Kid, not with the kids, not with any, oh, any no, no, no. youngins uh, around. No, I couldn't watch this one with the youngins around. A <laughs> uh, little bit more tame, I guess, than his later ones, but... Uh... Yeah. I like the start of the ponytail. So his hair is slicked back, and you can see sort of a wisp up in the yeah. back of his head. Oh, yeah, like yeah. He, he wants it. He knows he's going ponytail oh, it, eventually. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. But yeah. then you can also see that up top is definitely thinning a oh, lot more. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more thin than it seems to be in the later movies. So And both... Sharon Stone is his wife in this. Yeah. Yeah. A young Sharon Stone. I was surprised. I didn't, I didn't remember that. Yeah, I remember when her name popped up in the opening credits. I was like, oh, I think I remember reading somewhere that she was in one of these. You know, she this was the role where she just gets to cry the whole yeah. movie, which, of course, is uh, Nico. Let it go. Right. Let it go. <laughs> it's always that she's that person. Mm-hmm. And then the grandma or the mom's like, Nico, please. Nico. Right. Right. I like how he has a whole setup of like. This filthy rich uncle that takes the family away to protect yeah, them. Yeah, this I was, mansion in the woods and the police can somehow redirect resources to mm-hmm. have this motorcade and like an armed guards. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. Did I I wondered if I missed a plot point when he went to his uncle's house. I was like, is his uncle like a drug dealer or a mobster? Like who what do we know what the connection is? Because I remember yeah. somebody made a comment about his family earlier. And I was like, oh, were they referring to the uncle? Because the uncle seems to be doing really, really well off and has right. a lot of guys that can protect anybody that's going to make into his family. So I was like, oh, okay, I missed that. In the, I missed that in his opening. Yeah, uh, well, those armed guys are cops, yeah. friends of the older gentleman with the silver hair, the one that gave him a gun at the river when they were initially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the I, I just took the uncle as a retired, like he's just a retired cop or something. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah. It's just like I said, there's there's so many things thrown into this movie that you can't you don't have time to really think about everything. That you're just waiting yeah. for the next action sequence, which is what yeah. every eighties action flick was back then. It's like we're give me enough dialogue to like kind of calm me down before you bring another yeah. action scene. Uh, and then you know it's coming because he'll tell you you don't want to know. Steven Seagal will tell somebody <laughs> what are you gonna do now? You don't wanna know. Right, right. Like, oh yeah, here it is. Or he gets that mystery phone call, or he gets that you know that message. Yeah. So, all right, well let's let's talk a little bit about who's in this. Or I want to talk a little about Andrew Davis, the director. When his name popped up, I knew it would look familiar. And like I said, I I I, I got the correlation between that and uh, the Fugitive, which of course was his biggest movie. But of course, I mentioned he made the Chuck Norris classic Code of Silence '85. 
He followed up above the law with The Package in 89, starring Gene Hackman and Tommy Lee Jones. And he also directed Under Siege with Steven Seagal and Tommy Lee Jones. I love this. He was hired to direct the Arnold Schwarzenegger film, The Running Man in 87, but was fired for being unhappy with the screenplay and started to rewrite it. He was then replaced by Ferdinand Fairfax, who was also fired by the producers for doing the exact same thing. So it's come to, you know, another eighth grade eighties movie, the, the running man obviously had some script issues before they got involved. Hmm. He is a native of Chicago, Illinois. He's filmed most of his movies there. He likes to use particular actors in most of his movies, such as Ron Dean and Joseph F. Casala, which you would say those names and I have no idea. You would say, I don't have no idea yeah. who those guys are. But they're two of the main cops that those are the two that I recognized immediately. Like I've seen them in something else. They're in The Fugitive. They're also in. Are these uh, the two FBI agents, the white guy and the black guy? No, these are both two white guys. They usually play Chicago cops. Okay. And they were cops with him. Like uh, the one guy is the one when he uh, when he's in the hospital after the explosion in the church. Yeah. He's in the he's in the hospital and he wants to talk to the CIA guy that let the 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 young the little guy go yeah and the one guy comes and says hey are you okay Nico and he's like I need to talk to this guy that's one of them it's yeah, him he's, got and, the, he's got a true Chicago accent oh yeah they both have true Chicago hey we're all, we're all trying to do our thing here yeah yeah exactly and they <laughs> the funny thing is in this one they're like you know upstanding good cops when you watch them in the fugitive they're like the goofy cops that keep messing up Tommy Lee Jones's investigation so mm-hmm. they're they're totally playing two different types of characters. But anyway, but I just thought it was interesting that they've been in, I think it said that Joseph Casala was a real life Chicago ex-cop and he's been in seven of Andrew Davis's movies and he was actually a technical advisor on this movie. So, uh, so, so he knows what he's doing with those guys. Andrew Davis is like, and I saw an article talking about, you know, this was one of Andrew Davis's earlier films, like first films and one of, of course, Steven Seagal's first movie. And they said, you can see that they were both kind of learning their craft and have definitely gotten better because by the time he got to the fugitive in 92, was it 92? I'm messing something up. The fugitive was 93, but it was up for best picture and earned Joan, Tommy Lee Jones, a best supporting actor award. So he definitely, wow. definitely did better as he got going. So, wow. We talked a little about, about Seagal. I'm not going to jump too much into his backstory. We talked about his fighting style already, so I'm not going to over. But some other people in the cast we didn't talk about. Let's talk about Pam Greer, which I was, you know, it was good to see her in this movie. Rocks. Yeah. As his partner, which I thought she did really well. She said this was like her, this is one of her favorite film roles because it actually showed her as an actress. She got to act in the movie. Um, I thought she did good as his partner. And I didn't realize that she was a regular on Miami Vice oh, uh, in, in the early 80s. That might have been what helped her kind of get this role. Well, you know she... something bad was going to happen to her in that movie. Oh, of course. She was set to, like, like this is her last week on the streets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She That's... became a DA. <laughs> right. It's always that last week in the 80s right. movies. So She even says that. This couldn't have happened next week. Right, right. Read about it on the news. <laughs> but I did like that when she got shot, she wasn't killed. Like, it wasn't yeah. one of those, we got to set, you know, the partner's got to die. So he gives him the energy to, you know, the the re- extra revenge. But I did think that was interesting, though. Like, he goes to her apartment and he's looking at the pictures and he's all sad. And then somehow he shows up at his uncle's house. It's like, it's okay, Nico. She's not dead. She was wearing her vest. And he just like, oh, thanks. And then you go right next. He's like, it just, it just yeah. jumps to the next scene. It's like, did we really need all that? Right, right. Show, shows him he smiles and hugs his uncle yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So uh we mentioned Sharon Stone, then Henry Silva as 
Zagon or Zagon, did I say it right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't place where I'd seen him from. So obviously, supposedly, he also played the the bad guy in Code of Silence, which is one of the many similarities between this and Code. Well, now, like now, I want to go back and watch Code of Silence with Chuck Norris. I must have recognized him because he was a major villain in the TV, 80s TV show Book Rogers in the 21st century, 25th okay. century. So he played uh, the evil adversary Kane in uh, Book Rogers. He so, does uh, have that look, right? I don't think he's getting cast as, you know, no, a good guy no. anytime. He actually started, like, he mainly played bad guys early in his career. And then he got an offer to play a hero and did some spaghetti westerns. So his biggest one was called The Hills Run Red in 1966. So uh, he was really big overseas uh, for playing for playing the good guy. So. Hmm. And then uh, we mentioned his name. We mentioned the character, but the uh, Chelsea Ross is the guy that played his seventy-year-old uh, CIA buddy, <laughs> uh, which I always recognize him immediately because he was the older, the veteran pitcher from Major League, which is one of yeah. my favorite '80s movies. Yeah, so, he had the Vaseline and the yeah, yeah. ball and the... oh, yeah, all the yeah, yeah, you gotta have all this stuff on you. But uh, you saying Jesus can't hit a curveball? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so that's what uh, that was the first thing I thought. And of course, he was in the Last Boy Scout '91 with uh, Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. So, Damon Wayans, uh, yeah. when he popped up on this, I was like, "Oh man, I didn't know he was in this one." But right. So let's talk about the the Vietnam flashback scene with Nelson Fox, the seventy year old CIA agent. <laughs> um, the part that made me laugh was when Nico was like, he's watching the big bad Zagon or whatever torturing the guys like what does that have to do with intelligence because it's all like you're bringing my drugs you're messing with my drugs that uh but then nico leaves and like he's like just run nico run like where is he going like what right what are you gonna do to keep them like there's like six of them in that building that can all chase you down and kill you why what is he gonna do is gonna keep them on you know you guys just stay on the porch rico nico run like i would think they would have killed him yeah and then t- then then went at and got that went and it's just him. another example of when they could have killed him but i think he says something that guy says something to nico go back to the whatever yeah the chopper or the base or whatever yeah, yeah. checkpoint yeah whatever that is that's another one of what eight opportunities they have to kill him <laughs> and then i like how i like how when he when Sagal gets caught finally oh yeah they, they yeah. shoot him up with whatever heroin mm-hmm the speed or whatever it was yeah and he has it has no effect on him he pretends it does right it has effect on him eventually but not immediately he's mm-hmm. also trained his blood to have no reaction to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which i you know once again it's that you know all the things we can we'll find but you're the bad guy you've drugged people you've done this so many times you don't ever like wait an extra five, like let's just wait another five minutes and make sure it really took like, yeah. he's the only guy that thought, let me go ahead and fake that it's hit already and then yeah. take everybody out. So and immediately, he, as soon as Seagal rolls his eyes back in the back of his right. head, right. he's like, let him go. You know, <laughs> like, so every, and then they put their, of course, they showed the guy putting the shotgun down on the top of the. Cab. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's yeah. relaxed. And if you watch closely, the guy that's standing behind him, with the neck, the thing around his neck, um, mm. it's like a tiny string. It's so loose. Oh, yeah. Even when he's struggling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It was super loose around his neck. Yeah, I did. I saw that, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Because I'm sure he heard him. I mean, if they take that, if they, it's hard to not hurt somebody with that tiny string around mm-hmm. someone's neck. I'm sure mm-hmm. it hurt. And he was like, hey. Or like the piano wire, or whatever it is they used. Or, yeah. you know, so it's a little like piano wire or whatever. So we talked about cast. But if you didn't know, John C. Riley, it was his feature film debut. Did you see him in the movie? No. He's one of the patrons in the bar at the beginning when Nico goes to get his niece. He actually has a line in the bar. Uh, I don't remember what his line was, but I, I recognized him immediately, but I didn't realize this was his first movie. So, Wait, John yeah. C. Riley? Yeah. The, from Step Brothers? The other Step Brother, yeah. From, uh, and Ricky, not Ricky, not Ricky Bobby, but the best friend of Ricky Bobby from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah John C. Riley. Wait a second. So he goes into the bar to see his niece. Right. And... The bartender, the bartender's giving him grief. Right. And then I think right before he goes up the steps, you should, it shows like two guys sitting at the bar. And Riley says something to him like, "Don't you, don't be coming in the bar." I, I don't know what the, I remember what the line was, but yeah, he's on he's on screen for like maybe fifteen seconds. But that was Whoa. his uh, film debut, so that's great. <laughs> give him so, give you something to go back and and look I need forward. to go back and watch it. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about I I can't I usually ask for iconic scenes. Is there an iconic scene for this movie? Is when somebody says above the law, is there like one scene that jumps out of you? Like, think of this scene when somebody says above the law. Well, I mean, I like the scene. No, it's just a, a good fight scene. So I like the scene in the alley yeah, yeah. The, where the, the convertible and then that funny scene just after that where he chases him. Yeah, yeah. Knocks him down, says, if you're lying to me about, you know, Beltisa so oh, yeah, yeah. of that I'm going to come back to you because he sees his address in his wallet. I'm going to mm-hmm. come to the kitchen and kill you. And then, of course, there's the bunch of guys on the corner and the one big dude's like, hey, man, <laughs> he's messing with my, my friend. My friend, yeah. <laughs> and he goes up to him. He's like, hey, man, he's just my friend. And, you know, and obviously takes one punch, takes him out. Yeah. And then he goes by the crowd of people. There's only three or four other people <laughs> right, there. Right, right. And they're all, they all back off. Like, everything's cool, my man. Everything's cool. Right, right. Like, he's friends with everybody in the neighborhood. Um. <laughs> Can we? T- you talk about running. Can we talk about the Steven Seagal run? Yeah, because you know when you think of you think of actors that run on action actors run on film. You've got, of course, the the ultimate runner is Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has yeah. that beautiful glide, like the arms, like he ran track. He's got like it's very straight focused. I read somewhere, fun fact, side note, that Tom Cruise has it in his contract that when he's running in a movie, that no one else can be running with him. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that because I can't think of a scene where anyone else is running with him. Yeah. Bizarre, right? That is interesting. That is interesting. Anyway, sorry. No, you're good. So <laughs> so when I watch Steven Seagal run, I have a feeling that he learned to run while holding a bag of nickels or something. Like yeah. he had to have had something in his hands because one arm constantly yes. like good like jumps out or like he's like he he has a stride for a minute and then all of a sudden his arms like want to spasm and yeah. go outward and make loops so uh i call it the t-rex run because he <laughs> it, it feels to me like he has his elbows pinned to his body the whole yeah. time yeah yeah and it's almost like one of those things at a car dealership that it's inflatable oh, yeah the, yeah, the, yeah and that's what it is he's like almost fanning like you know <laughs> and you know I only he he probably had to stop running after five or six movies because he just kept gaining weight. <laughs> yeah, um, less running he, in this movie. Less he was, uh, movie. yeah, he uh was super thin in this yeah. movie. 
Oh yeah, he's in great shape in this movie. I mean, he's yeah. yeah the first couple of movies, he was he was he was doing he was still in good shape. Uh, I think by on Deadly Ground, you could tell it was <clears throat> fame was uh, catering was doing, being really good to him on set. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I, I can't think of an iconic scene. I think about good action scenes, which I think we talked about. The car with the dummy is by far one of my favorite yeah. uh, favorite scenes. The uh, the scene in the little convenience store, which of course the whole setup for that is hilarious, like we talked about already. Uh, but that fight scene was good. And then by far, and there's been a lot of great action movie deaths that we've seen. But when he takes him out after the after we talked about this, you know, him giving injected and faking like he was going down, he breaks his arm. Yeah. Which you knew was coming. Like the way he was holding arm, like, oh, it's coming. That snap is coming. And then he just bends him over and just snaps his neck and drops him. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it. No, yeah. no, no gun needed because you know every other movie, you know the shot between the eyes, one of that was like, nope, just gonna break the arm. Like if you're gonna break his neck, why did you break his arm first? But yeah, if he wanted to punish him, that was the message. <laughs> right, right. He's not above Sagal's law. No, no. I love. Oh my gosh, we missed. We forgot something about this. Oh, go the, ahead. The classic angry police chief. Oh yes, yes. With the you cigar. Gotta, yeah. Sit your ass down over there, or whatever. <laughs> so, you know. Like. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah. And then you've got, and I didn't look up this guy, the actor's name, but the 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 CI agent that at first was against him because yeah. he was covering up, and then once he real, then once Nico shows him, hey, see, I told you that C four, yeah. you know, was used for bad for badge, not in the locker, or whatever. And then he becomes like the ally, and then of course, the scene where he takes him to the to the lake. Which once again, yeah, it was like you're sitting by the car, you don't have you your pants are off, but your shoes are still on. Then yeah. you tell him to take his shoes off. Now go jump in the lake. Uh what about, wait, what about the this what about this timing sequence? <laughs> Where they, when when they bust him at the with the C four, right? Right. The engine blocks in the truck. That's the scene where he has to chase him. He hops on the hood of the car. Yeah, yeah. Busts yeah. in the window, chokes him out, mm-hmm. and they're way, way away from the scene. Mm-hmm. Gets them to stop. They put him under arrest. The both of them, right? The in, immediate next scene is them all standing at the foot of the engine block. Mm-hmm. Just then, discovering the seat. What are the <laughs> cops doing on scene this entire time? And then the right. people that they arrest are right behind them. Yeah, yeah. Or just standing there, but with their hands cuffed behind mm-hmm. them. Like this is what we let the criminals watch while we look. <laughs> and they just taking the knife to the engine block to find the C4. I'm like, what the heck have all these other cops been doing right. the entire time he's been hanging on a roof, which has no way to hang on, by the way. There's no, <laughs> there's no handle. There's no... Yeah, yeah. And I was watching that scene. I was like... Because he was... There were certain scenes where he was he was the stunt guy. So they had to have him, had him like... Uh, tied down to the roof but you can see him trying to hold on to that mm. front part of the top of the the vinyl or whatever on top of the yeah. the car but then of course and that to me that was the most comedic scene was him choking the guy and him <laughs> telling the driver like driver what am i supposed to do yeah, <laughs> like how dumb does the driver have to be and then he stops the car but he stops where they basically give up like right Stop the car where Seagal can't like 
find a way to pin him under something where he can't get out. But anyway, right? That, they, they have a gun. They shot a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Missed him, like which you know I've never seen in a movie where they shot up and you actually got the guy on top of the car. He's always they always shoot the whole, the the hole is always right where he was before they shot yeah, it. So close. He, so he close. always misses it. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, I'm on top of this car with all this wind in my ear. I can hear him pointing the gun up and it's coming right now. Let me move out of the way. Uh, Seagal definitely used a stunt man when he jumped out through the window of the convenience store. After yes. The yes. You that can definitely he, tell it was not him. Right. That he jumps out and doesn't land on the guy, but still jumps over him and lands on his feet. Right. Which I thought was fantastic. With fantastic. no glass on his back or anything. None. None. Just clean. None. <laughs> and now, these messages. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gag Me With The Spoon, The Other Half Of The Battle, and Chant With The Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes! Hey, everybody. Do you ever just sit around with your friends and reminisce about the days and how things used to be when you were a kid or a teenager or maybe even a young adult? TV shows and the movies that you watched at the time, and how things just aren't quite the same today? Well, let me tell you, I've got the place for you. My name is Chris Adams, and I'm the host of the podcast Retro Life for You. And here at Retro Life for You, we talk about and discuss movies and TV that is retro, and we are going back from the 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s. Hey, sometimes we might even touch back to the 70s if we're feeling good. If this is for you, Make sure you look for us on everywhere that you can find your podcast at Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, or hosted on Anchor FM. And make sure you follow us on all the major networks and leave us a rating and a review. It really does help. Look forward to hearing from you. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Any other scenes you want to talk about before we start wrapping this one up? I think we've it, we've it, covered it a lot probably, of it. I mean, it probably just is the best example of an '80s action movie. There is there's the angry police chief. There's the yeah. uh, bulletproof. Everything is bulletproof. Nobody's mm-hmm. a good shot. There's a lot of one-liners in there. Yeah. Um, 
Typical the, bad guy hierarchy. The crying wife that wants you to let it go. Let it go. The grieving mother. <laughs> and the, the mother. mother. No, Nico. Baby. No, yeah. no Nico. No. <laughs> Who loved the priest that got blown up in the church. So, you know, you, yeah. you got to have the explosion. You, you come to church more often. Right. You know I'm going to call your mother. You should. She loves <laughs> no, you. <she'll>, yeah. <laughs> and then all the things that I didn't understand this movie might be its own podcast. But you brought in the refugees in the church basement but the refugee priest was the one they're really trying to kill right which they end up getting to i still don't understand how any of that like it's just they just threw everything in the pot it's i like. think he I, I think they i think they said that he had some papers that implicated the assassination plot okay that he brought with him gotcha but the thing that sticks out with me and, and about uh has nothing about the whole uh you know the immigrants and the people mm-hmm. it was not any it was the way that uh that Seagal's partner said the word Chile when she's talking to him at the river she's like these people are from Venezuela Guatemala Chile <laughs> <laughs> I was like even back when I first watched it you know back in back when it first came out I'm like right Chile is it Chile <laughs> and and when she said it again, you know, this time I I would turn the volume up. I knew she was going to say it. Oh yeah, I'm going to say it that way from now on in public. Yeah. Chile, it's um, awful. I I just it's just almost the same. Th- a friend of mine says the word theater theater. Oh wow! And uh, it, it's funny. Theater is better than theater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you going to the theater later? The theater. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Well let's let's talk about box office. Above the law opened in theaters on April eighth, nineteen eighty-eight, and debuted at number eight at the box office behind holdovers like Good Morning in Vietnam at number seven, Bright Lights Big City with Michael J. Fox at number five, Biloxi Blues with Matthew Broderick at number two, and Beetlejuice was number one for the second week in a row. So it's gonna be hard to meet beat Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. Uh yeah. Beetlejuice was above the law. In the box office, but <laughs> along with seven other six other movies, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes has it at 50% with a 48% audience score. IMDb has six out of 10 with viewers and a 45 on Metacritic. Uh, not a lot of love for this movie, uh, rightfully so. <laughs> I don't know, is it like, I mean, what do you think? Is 50% too low? It's men, yeah. Men who want action and and uh, you know underdog and villains being blown up. And... Yeah, I mean this isn't a movie for the critics anyway. So, but it was enjoyable. I mean, for a teenage, preteen, teenage kid that I wasn't at eighty eight, it was everything I wanted. Lots of action, broken bones, fighting five fighting, guys at once. Yeah, like close, co- you know, hand to hand combat, chasing scenes, uh, guys, you know, dummies that were supposed to be guys falling. From a, even the drug, even the the guy that was the caught with the niece was a, a funny character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he looked familiar too. Yeah, I, I love it when uh, Nico goes into the restaurant and he's working there. He's like, "Oh man, just you know, just chill, man. Just, just chill. the way he ta- the way he talked too. He's like, there's a thousand dollars right there. Take it. <laughs> I got I got a lead. I got a, this is huge, my man. Right, huge. right. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> and then of course that the bartender that we kept seeing was one of the CIA agents, which I thought was hilarious. So uh, bizarre. Yeah. I knew you I knew he was gonna what it, uh what he saw him in the 
in the precinct. Yeah. I knew he was going to get yours. I knew he was going to get yours. Why is he filing a complaint? Yeah, he like why like you know four days after the after the, after it happened. Yeah, but it was good. I enjoyed it. It was it was worth. It was a good rewatch for sure. Yeah. All right, Danny, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Uh, so behind the bar podcast, they can find that. They can find you on the socials. You got any other? You got any live or upcoming shows you're doing? Not that are open to the public. I do a lot of private shows. So. Right. Next open to the public is October 14th in Inverness, Florida at the Valerie. I'm headlining the Valerie Theater. Okay. In Inverness. And then um, November 17th, November 17th at Peaches in St. Augustine, then 18th, 19th in St. Cloud, Florida. Those are my, the remainder of my year open to the public show. Okay. Cool. Very cool. We definitely, if you have the chance to go see Danny live, do that. If not, definitely check out his dry bar comedy special that is available pretty much everywhere now, right? Everywhere now, Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, dry bar app. Yeah. Check it out. The Chusky life. Mm-hmm. So uh, one last little thing, because it made me think of you immediately. So the guy that played the villain, uh, Henry Silva in his, in his uh, little bio, he says that Silva now calls a San Fernando Valley home, but makes continual film forays back to Europe's production center. So he goes back to Europe. He's a dedicated jogger. He puts in five miles a day to, quote, keep in shape and relieve tension. And I thought about, of course, your comedy specials. Like, he must have found the runner's high that you and I will never find. Right, right. <laughs> so, so definitely check out Danny's Drywall Comedy Special. Check him out live. Thanks so much for being a part of this episode. And uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Become a supporter of the podcast. Follow, subscribe, rate, and review. You know all that fun stuff. We talk about it every week. So, But thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Danny. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I man. enjoyed it. Uh, this is Tim Williams for the 80 Split Classback Podcast. Good night, good people. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.